Good morning. I'm Riley, and this is Lifestyle Tucson. April is Autism Awareness Month, and World Autism Day was back on Friday, April 2nd. So for this portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I am sharing the conversation I had on Zoom recently with Bree Seward and Dustin Williams. Before we really delve into anything too much, I think it'd be great to have you both just introduce yourselves. I'm Bree Seward, the Executive Director of the Autism Society of Southern Arizona. My name is Dustin Williams. I'm the elected Pima County School Superintendent and a uh, father of a loving wife and two charming, terrific boys. It's quite the resume. So our world's <laughs> understanding of autism continues to improve, uh, but understandably there are still going to be people who are unfamiliar. And since you both have firsthand experience having a child um, on the autism spectrum, how do you respond when someone asks, well, what is autism and why do I need to be aware of it? Yes, autism, it's a very complex developmental disorder. Um, in Arizona, one in 63 children have uh, identified as having a diagnosis. And normally when I do presentations, I ask the group, you know, it could be a small group to an auditorium group in the, in the days pre-pandemic. And mostly everyone will raise their hand if I ask, do you know someone with autism or do you have a family member that you know of? So it is very common at this point. Um, it is de developmental disorder and the char characteristics of autism are um, a speech and language delay, repetitive behaviors and um, impairment with social uh, communication. And so um, we are here to educate uh, the community on identifying those signs, what to do if you suspect your child or as an individual, you may um, be exhibiting these signs and what to do next. And then after the diagnosis, when you leave that doctor's office and some parents, you know, are, are feeling just, you know, completely overwhelmed with that, we're there to come alongside them and guide them on those next steps um, and help them with the programs that we offer as well. Yeah. And for myself, um, I look at it as two kind of angles for me as the elected county school superintendent kind of looking at the entire umbrella of education and the service for every child and making sure they can have a world-class education with no limits and no boundaries. And then also as a father that has a child that has autism. And so for me, there's, there's two levels there. There's the business side, obviously, as the education industry, but then also there's the personal side as a parent and what it's like to uh, experience the unknown of autism, which is, it's an amazing disorder, if you want to call it that, which we sometimes look at it now as a gift for our child, because there's just so many neat things that uh, Dre can do with his brother, Dylan, and, and, and to watch her progress. But we also know what it's like as a parent, as that unknown feeling. So as the Pima County School Superintendent, I get the best of both worlds, because I get to connect with Bree and uh, Arizona Autism Society and bring in partners that really are game changers and can help a parent feel comfortable. And then we also then can bring these skills to the education groups in schools and try to help schools that need help in, in the same areas. Mm -hmm. Well, along with that, Dustin, since you have this firsthand experience, what type of resources have you found to be the most beneficial for you and your family navigating after your son's autism diagnosis? Yeah, when it, when we, when Dre was first diagnosed, um, 
around two. He is uh, seven now. He'll be eight in December. For us, it was like a boat with no light in the middle of an ocean that was dark. And we had nowhere to go. And so we just literally started kind of going online and looking at YouTube. And, and slowly we, we, we got involved with um, different organizations like ABA groups and DDD. And Bree can kind of talk about those and those definitions and Arizona Autism Society and, and really uh, found the professionals that kind of gave us the lantern through the light. And there's skills that need to be taught, but then there is a whole side of mountain of paperwork that has to be also filled out and continually done. And that's the hard part for parents because it takes a lot of skill to do that. There's a lot of organizational skills that need to be done. And the timely of timeliness of it is so challenging. There's a lot of uh, dates that you have to have done and meetings so for us, it's finding those partners and those organizations that can do both of those helps with the, the paperwork side and all the documents, and then also teach us the skills to work with our, with our son that's going to really make him successful and be able to function in the everyday world. Well, Bree, would you be able to uh, explain a little further some of those uh, groups that uh, Dustin had mentioned, like the ABA? Sure. Um, and you know, as a parent going through it, I, I have also the firsthand experience of when you leave a doctor's office and you come home and you don't know what to do next. Um, and, you know, it, it's a process of different steps. And so what we've done at the Autism Society is gather those steps through our Navigating Autism program. So we have a resource guide on here are the steps you need to take. What does ABA even mean? You know, it's applied behavior analysis and, and people will come into your home and work with your child, you know, and we educate on this is going to happen. These are the next steps. Here's your options. But depending on where the child is at or the adult, you know, what, what type of coping skills do they need? And it's different for everyone. Not everyone will need speech therapies or occupational therapy. And, um, but the majority of, you know, uh, those diagnosed with autism do struggle with behaviors because there's a, a def, a deficit, deficit in communication. So if, if I can't talk and I'm hungry, I will want to yell and, and create an uproar. And, you know, if, if children with autism have um, speech delays that might link to behaviors because they're trying to get across, um, a, you know, they're trying to communicate with a parent on something. And so that speech therapy can help bring out those words. It can teach those incredible, you know, skills that a child needs to know while they're in early intervention services, things like that. So there are a series of steps. There's state services that can help families get plugged into resources and programs. We offer a variety of programs so we can educate on if, if you have a teen with autism, you know, join our teen meetup with amazing people at Playformance, or if you're an adult who needs to connect, you know, we have a social club for you. So we do have parent training. So we have something for everyone who is affected by autism. And these are the things that we educate parents when they come to us or they visit our website and we just try to make it as easy as possible because it can be very overwhelming and isolating when you go home and you're left with what do I do next? So we've created next step guides on what these therapies are because you open the door and there's a lot to, there's a lot to walk through in that door. And we just explain, this is what it is. 
And these are your options. And these are the steps you can take. And these are the outcomes that may happen as a result. Mm -hmm. One, one piece at a time, instead of trying to tackle the whole thing at once, breaking it down one day at a time, one piece at a time, one meeting at a time. It's a, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. And we're here with the ebb and flow of that journey. Um, and yeah, as you were mentioning the website, I was looking through the ASAZ.org and I was looking through the various programs that the Autism Society of Southern Arizona offers. And yeah, it's much more than just for children. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about some of those programs and how, how have they been affected um, just to keep in mind safety for the community during these times? Absolutely. So um, when the pandemic happened, we adapted very quickly and we reached out to our families and said, you know, tell us what you are struggling with, what, how we can help you. And, you know, the, across the board, it was, we are, we're at home doing everything. We're doing our jobs. We're trying, we've lost services and support for our families. And we're trying to keep them safe from this unknown virus that we still aren't educated on. And, and so we've, we started unraveling programs to meet every need. So the majority of parents said, I need help with behaviors at home. So we worked with U of A Cooperative Extension to offer stepping stones, parent trainings, and it's a 15 week program. So you get so much out of that. And you also get connected to other parents that are going through this. Um, so that is for parents. We know that teens are really extremely impacted by the isolation that the pandemic brought. So we said to our partners at Playformance, how can we make this uh, an experience that still, you know, happens for our teens? And so they meet up every, once a month. They do awesome activities. They have equipment they bring in. There's materials before every play group. They interact with teens. And we also partner with the Autism Society of Ohio to do this. So they're meeting people in Ohio. So what's cool about Zoom in the virtual world world we're in is there no there's no barriers so people in real rural communities can connect with us on our programs get the support from an empower our support group adults who don't even live in Arizona can connect with other adults through our social club um, we're having the Red Cross do a virtual training in April and to teach adults emergency preparedness so really we we have we're doing so much more the need is great and we can do it in our virtual world. And I think it's even better for parents is what we're hearing because they don't have to find the babysitter. They don't have to commute. They can roll down the hallway, turn on the computer and learn, grow and connect with others going through the same thing. Dustin, mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier how your work with the Autism Society of Southern Arizona and how it has translated in a way into your career. And I would just like to know a little bit more about how your experience had, like, do you view your work with children and teachers differently now? How has that made an impact for you in your life? For me, it was really interesting in the political atmosphere of when was I going to really use my voice for autism? And when um, Autism Society of Southern Arizona came, Bree and, and the group and the team came and said, hey, you know, you've been in long enough now. I got elected in 2016. They said, I think it's time to finally share your story because selfishly, I didn't want to just kind of use my son as a label and a kind of a political platform. I've never wanted to do that. But the, the timing was there in the organization for Autism Society of Southern Arizona. That was for me, that was the landing page for me. And we talk about Arizona 
autism society period because we're all in this together everybody um and there's there are different organizations but for this one this was the feeling of where i knew the answers could come quickly and then the help would be readily available and then i really like the idea of like what we were we had planned of course which was the walk but what I really liked was how they adapted during the pandemic. And they, they really looked at it in a long-term view and said, okay, we're going to regroup immediately. And they adapted quickly. And that is how autism works. So watching this organization fluctuate and change during this pandemic, to me, that was probably the strongest part for how uh, an elected leader looks at different partners. And, and so when we see, again, that holistic view and that healing view for all the kids um, across, obviously, Arizona, but, you know, we cherry pick here in Pima County because that's where we are at this moment. But again, we can branch out and Bree's got those capabilities and she has those connections. So for me, it was just the whole big picture and, and, and the vision for what we could do partnering up. Um, with with both groups and for the betterment of all these kids it's just a very special thing since as we know there isn't going to be the the big annual walk and resource fair this year and this will be the second year without the actual in-person um, event is there anything going on for autism awareness month Absolutely. So April 15th, we're um, working with the developmental pediatrician, Dr. Catherine Riley, and she is going to educate um, beyond autism and recognizing the signs of autism. So it's, we're reaching outside of our local, you know, autism community and branching out to say, if you're concerned, someone, you know, it needs to recognize the signs of autism. We're going to go through a screening tool together. Um, and it's, it's for parents, it's for providers, it's for anyone that wants to understand what do we do if we suspect and we see characteristics of autism. So that's happening April 15th. We have an incredible, also Autism Talks um, is our, our first podcast series. And we have a video component as well. And so this is another way we're reaching out to the community in a creative outlet because we know parents are on the go, they're busy. So we want to come into their homes, come into their lives, wherever they are, and give them insights and tips and tools so that they can be empowered at home. And so that's part of our Autism Talk series. We have a great behavior analyst from Ascend Behavior Partners who talks about what is ABA. You know, so it, wherever you are in your journey, especially if you're starting off in the journey, you want to know what these therapies are, you can tune into that and learn from people that are our partners in the community that can share their knowledge with the community. Bree, real quick, just to kind of go off of that, Bree, what is the web address? So it's www.as-az.org. You can register for all the virtual workshops there. You'll be sent a Zoom link so you can plug in with our community experts in the field. And also our office, schools.pima.gov. If you call us, we can connect you immediately with Arizona Autism South, sorry. Um, Autism Autism it's a long name. <laughs> it, it does. It, it's always long. Every That's the other thing. In, in the world of <laughs> autism, the acronyms behind it. But one thing to just go off, we talked about people coming to the house and, and yeah, 
um, these people do, they come to your home, they work with your child. And at first as a, as a dad and a mom, you're kind of like people in my home, but after a while, these are, these are professionals. They become family members. They become very, so close with you that um, it's really just such a neat, neat process because you get to watch your child grow. And then again, you get to get your, your questions answered. It definitely takes a village for sure. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> Sounds about right. And, you know, it's always great to have a, a community who knows similar of what you've been going through to connect and uh, bounce ideas off each other and learn more from one another. So, you know, there definitely is a light shining through and the highly sought after normal will eventually get here. Um, is there any news from the Autism Society of Southern Arizona that you, you know, moving forward that you would like to share or any plans for the future that you have right now? You know, our focus is community outreach. Mm -hmm. It's expanding our partnerships, delivering the need, um, always tuning into what the need is, hearing from our parents, um, feeling like they can come to us with um, what what they're looking for and how we can best support them. So I think, you know, we will start gathering, you know, uh, more and more podcasts in our series to help educate our family. So yes, we cannot have, you know, an, a one day in person event, but how great is it to constantly be delivering, you know, bite-sized information to our families in need on a year round basis. And we're grateful to our partners at Pima County um, Superintendent's Office that helps us do that, that comes around us and says, how can we help you? How can we educate our teachers with what's going on? How can we share your resources to the community? So, you know, I'm so grateful for this partnership because it helps us um, help teachers who are educating children with autism. So it's a really dynamic, amazing partnership that we are grateful for. Well, before I let you go, will you uh, just share again how to get a hold of you or the Autism Society for those who are looking to learn more or maybe find a way to get involved? Absolutely. So um, you can reach us at 520-770-1541 or visit our website for all these virtual programs, find out about our podcasts, look at some videos, and all of our resources are there for the community. So that's as-az.org. Well, Bree and Dustin, I really appreciate you taking time and to share a bit of your own personal stories and experiences because that's Probably the best way to learn is to actually hear a firsthand account from someone who has used the organization and benefited from its efforts. And I really appreciate you taking this time today. Well, thank you so much. And for everyone out there, thank you for listening. And if you, if you want to get involved, even if you don't have uh, someone with autism or, or anything like that, but you want to do something good and get involved, Autism Society of Southern Arizona, that is a, a great organization. They'd love to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having us too. And for this portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I am speaking with Kate from the Southern Arizona Arts and Cultural Alliance. Hi, this is Kate at Taka. To start things off, Southern Arizona, you know, is a strikingly beautiful location. And uh, so no surprise that uh, it's a hub for art and culture. Creatives are part of the community that were really hit hard in 2020. Could you just take a second to tell me a bit about who you are and the work of the Southern Arizona Arts and Cultural Alliance? Uh, definitely. I think the best way to kind of explain it is the pre-pandemic version of our org organization, maybe the post. 
mm-hmm. uh, pandemic, what we hope to be moving into soon. But um, prior to COVID, our organization, a lot of people know us for the large-scale festivals and events that involve artists and uh, creative sector partners, everything from salsa, tequila, taco, to the World Margarita Championship, uh, Saber Food and Wine Festival. A lot of people know us for culinary arts, uh, festivals, the arts, uh, car shows, classic car shows, music, and live concerts all around town. Uh, We have a lot of venues that we partnered up uh, to bring live music to. Um, So really robust. A lot of people knew us. We work in the communities themselves, so we work with every community south of Casa Grande. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of relationships and partnerships uh, with businesses and governments um, that help us, you know, provide all of those events and programming. But about two and a half years ago, it it's actually quite a bit longer now, but uh, we had envisioned what was the next phase. Um, our programming had become so successful. We had um, been engaging with so many different diverse genres and mediums of artists. And we said, how can we continue to support them in a deeper way? So um, long story short, we uh, went to one of our partners, which is Brookfield Properties, that it owns Susan Mall and Park Place Mall, and said, you know, we kind of have this vision and dream of a space that could be really a first of its kind, a space to where we could house, you know, people who love uh, to work in a kitchen, you know, and have a teaching kitchen, uh, a place where uh, all of our engineers and the creatives that we worked with in that capacity, um, robotics, technology, um, have a space for them, as well as Magic Craft Studio, um, have a wonderful music and digital and film production studio, uh, as well as a venue for people to perform and gather. So uh, the Brookfield property has actually completely saw the vision of what it could be and especially what it could be at the mall, a place to where people could collaborate on projects, uh, learn, uh, get together. Uh, We named it Catalyst because the idea was it wasn't, the wealth was not going to be in what happened in Catalyst of what more so what happened when people walked out of Catalyst. So if we were doing our jobs well, then Um, Small businesses were being created every day um, in the entrepreneur side of the creative sector, and they were uh, collaborating on their own projects outside of Catalyst. So we opened that in December of 2019, that uh, 14,000-square-foot space. And for the first three months, I mean, there was from, you know, morning, noon, and night, there was projects, events, um, activations, really unique events taking place in there every single day. And then in March, we had to shut down uh, pretty quickly. So uh, we were only open really for a, a full three months and then had to mm-hmm. um, come and then just rethink, reprioritize and kind of pivot. So what we've spent the last uh, year on in Catalyst is we have a co-working space and we have a very diverse group of co-workers. We have a music production technician, uh, several muralists. We have um, one that specializes in like drone work and um, videography, um, music production and uh, so the architect. So a lot of those coworkers really wanted to start collaborating with each other on projects. And so since the space is so big and it was shuttered, we um, provided one of the large spaces for a partner who's an architect who was actually fabricating a massive uh, piece of public art, needed a space to do that, that would go uh, to the Paraguay uh, embassy. Mm-hmm. So the space was closed so he could take advantage of almost all the space to create this public art piece. Uh, we had another artist come and collaborate with a few others who uh, wanted to build um, a large, a 20 by 20 spice mural that was created on the ground. It was going to go to a museum in London. 
So she used our space to be able to create that work. Uh, we've been also using the space for endless amounts of uh, live streaming, recording, um, digital production for all sorts of different artists that are wanting to put their work in an online capacity. Mm-hmm. Very universal, so uh, yeah, collaborative uh, location. That's awesome. Um, Definitely. So we've allowed, since we haven't really been able to do events, we have been able to preserve a handful of smaller safe events. Catalyst has really been our biggest focus, as well as some of our arts and healthcare programming. Uh, we have a really robust arts and healthcare program um, that takes place in hospitals and around southern Arizona, as well as retirement and assisted living communities. That quickly, all of those came to a you know pretty quick um, end early mm-hmm. on because we could no longer enter into the facilities. So we pivoted and started providing them streaming opportunities to engage, but also. Um, put together a massive community-wide arts care project that provided um, care packages to thousands of individuals living in assisted living homes and hospitals, receiving treatment in hospitals throughout southern Arizona. So you would actually have those care packages sent to those individuals. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Especially since that isolation definitely hits um, when you're living in an environment Uh, like that. You mentioned muralists several times, and that's something that is very Southern Arizona, our murals. And I was reading that there were 43 commissions uh, in 2020. Is that a, how's that compared to other years? No, I would say last year was a record. And I think it's because so many of our partnerships that were, you know, in production uh, to provide a lot of those maybe in-person events still wanted to invest the money in something that could support a local artist and help heal the community and murals are great ways to really, um, you know, really promote goodwill and communicate. So a lot of our partners decided, you know, murals would be the way to, way to go. So we were able to produce so many different murals um, really completely because of business support. Mm-hmm. Businesses are the ones who support and contracted each one of those. Saka creates these partnerships and I saw that the, the organization also helps the performers and artists in a more direct manner. Could you share some about the organization's ability to help out those artists and performers? Definitely. Well, we've always believed that Tucson really has one of the most rich music scenes and that sometimes you don't, you can't really see it or feel it because unfortunately um, a lot of those people have full-time jobs Mm -hmm. because to have, be a full-time musician in Tucson is really challenging There is no permanent funding stream in Southern Arizona or in the state of Arizona for the arts. Uh, um, We're one of only four states, actually, with no permanent funding stream that could trickle down and fund individual artists. So we really have had to come up with some creative models of uh, partnerships with businesses that usually always comes down to and say, uh, would you be willing to invest in music as a form of outreach? A lot of people you know, purchase ads and spend money on marketing and outreach. But what if that marketing and outreach actually became the artist Mm -hmm. who has their own audience, who has their own base of support? So we've been able to recruit a a lot of venues, um, you know, whether they're hotels and resorts or restaurants or um, outdoor spaces and parks and shopping centers, really um, prove to them the value of investment in music as it is an investment in community. So uh, that's how we've been able to really build volume of opportunity for artists, both professional and amateur, to be able to present their work in the community. 
is um, putting them in spaces to where people actually are. What are some of the plans moving forward into 2021 and beyond for SACA? Well, I know um, helping play um, a significant role in healing our community is going to be something that is continues to be top mm-hmm. of SACA's mind. We know that um, you know, a lot of us I know are really feeling like we want to get back to events and we want to get back to lives as they were before. But for so many, um, that's it's not going to feel that way mm-hmm. uh, that have lost a family member or struggled, you know, and survived possibly COVID. So we know that there's going to be a lot of residual, you know, pain, but also um, need in our community to really connect and ha- ha- with really a lot of equitable dialogue as well. So much has happened this last year that just isn't related to COVID. Mm-hmm. So I know um, coming up with new programs that help us um, reach out to the community and provide this type of support through art, whether that be through series of uh, mural installations, um, performances, um, classes, education, um, art projects that will be very creative, but will also send a very strong message and for about awareness. So that's what you can really expect to see from us in the coming year. I know that we are really trying to protect um, the events that we can, mm-hmm. the ones that support artists the most. For example, you know, um, a culinary event, you know, chefs are so focused still on the long-term survivability of what they do. So, you know, bringing back in community culinary events isn't really the right time now um, as they've got a ways to go before they could completely rebound but an artisan market to where we could um, exhibit the work from 50 artists and they could sell and each of them raise, you know, between two and $5,000 because it's their full-time job. Those are going to be the types of events that we prioritize Mm -hmm. um, moving into the future. Wonderful. Any any event that directly benefits an artist. Mm -hmm. And helping the community come together, you know, and heal as we, uh, get through this all together. Before I let you go, what are ways that individuals can get involved or show support or find out more about the Southern Arizona Arts and Cultural Alliance? Well, our website's a pretty big website. We've got a lot of different um, opportunities on there, whether that's our call to artist page, if you're a creative and you're looking for um, any sort of opportunity to showcase, promote, sell your work, not just with Saka, but we also offer a call to artist service for anyone in Southern Arizona. So we have a pretty comprehensive place for that on the website. Um, and if you're someone who just wants to attend an event, uh, uh, we, you know, one of the things that's changed dramatically is we don't really announce seasons right now. You know, we can't really predict what's happening three months from now. So being on our email newsletter is a good way to kind of get notice of things that we may know are happening in the next 30 days, um, especially as we move into the summer where our catalyst space we know is going to be getting more active with uh, classes and things happening um, as we move into the hotter months. And then if you're interested in volunteering, uh, we have a whole section on volunteerism that we're starting to kick back up finally. Um, now that we do have some programming, it's a great way to get involved in something that you're passionate about because we have so much diversity in programming. And if you're passionate about, you know, recording music, if you're passionate about social media or, um, you know, painting or just help supporting artists, there's so many different opportunities to volunteer your time to support. Mm-hmm. So what is that website, just so everyone knows? Uh, Saka.org, www.saaca.org. 
Awesome. Well, Kate, I really appreciate you taking this time to uh, give us a little update on Saka, where it's been and where it's going. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Awesome. Take care. If you are part of a nonprofit organization that would like to be featured on an upcoming episode of Lifestyle Tucson, you can reach out to us at publicaffairs at azlotus.com. That is publicaffairs, all one word, at azlotus.com. And for more information about the show, you can find that at mixfm.com, klpx.com, kfma.com, and espntucson.com.